0: After Yosef plants a golden cup in Binyamin's bag to frame him, Yosef maintains that Binyamin must be his slave, but the rest of the brothers are free to go. Yehuda then steps up and uncorks a speech, so eloquent, so thought-provoking, that it inspires Yosef so much that he loses control and reveals his identity. As I was reading Yehuda's speech, the following thought occurred to me. What is special about this speech? Yehuda simply restated all of the events that had occurred since the last Parsha. He didn't say anything revolutionary. Furthermore, why was Yosef inspired by this simple speech? When Yosef had his dream about the sun, the stars, and the moon bowing down to him, his father Yaakov rebuked him, saying, Vayomer lo, Yaakov said to him, Macha What is this dream that you've dreamed? Havonavo ani vimecha, vachicha la Should your brothers, your mother and I, should we all go, just go bow down to you? Yaakov was disgusted by this. The next posse continues, ba'chiv." And his brothers became angry at him, and his father kept the matter in his mind. The other two times when Yaakov got mad at one of his sons, he held on to this anger. When Ruven moved Yaakov's bed, he held on to that anger, even cursing him in Vayichi instead of giving him a bracha, calling him Pachos Kamayim, Altutar. He said, Unstable as water, you're going to succeed and excel no longer. When Shimon and Levi killed the people of Shechem after they had abducted Dina, Yaakov also reprimanded them. Later in his bracha about Shimon and Levi, he says, Kli Hamas, your weapons of lawlessness. And he says that they're going to be scattered throughout Israel because they're too dangerous to be together. When Yaakov sends Yosef to check on his brothers, and then Yosef gets sold to Mitzrayim, he could have thought the following. My father was mad at me right before he sent me to my brothers, meaning that he was in on the plot. My father wanted me dead as well rabbi yoel gold once told the following story harry ashkenazi was driving to an event in new york city he drove up to a valet service but the car in front of him wasn't moving after a few minutes he peeked out his window and saw a couple he recognized nancy and jack beta they were having a conversation with an old friend trying to get their attention harry softly honked But the betas continued their conversation. He honked a few more times, but the betas didn't hear him. He thought that since there were many stores in the area, maybe the betas weren't trying to go to the event. So he drove around them, gave his car to the valet, and he and his wife went up to the event. A few minutes later, Harry and his wife were talking to friends at the event when they saw a couple charging at them. Nancy told them how inconsiderate and rude they were for cutting them off, especially because the Ashkenazis had taken the final valet spot forcing the Betas to park three blocks away and walk to the event. Nothing that Harry tried to say could appease them, as the Betas stormed away furious. Five months later, Nancy Betas is in her house. It's 9 a.m., air of Yom Kippur, when the telephone rings. She picks up the phone, and to her surprise, it is Harry Ashkenazi on the other line. He tells her that they had an incident a few months earlier, where he came off as rude and selfish, and now he wanted to ask for forgiveness. A few years later, Nancy receives a call from a shadchan, a matchmaker, proposing someone to go out with her son. The girl's name? Lorraine Ashkenazi, Harry's daughter. A few months later, David, Beta and Lorraine Ashkenazi were married. Harry told his wife Jamie the following, Imagine if that Arab Yom Kippur call wouldn't have been made. The Betas could have shut down the shidduch because of their perception of the Ashkenazis. And David and Lorraine would have never been married. Years later, Harry said in an interview that he didn't think that he did anything wrong. But that did not matter. The betas were hurt, and he wanted to apologize. The Ramban and the Barbanel grapple with the following question. Why didn't Yosef try to let Yaakov know at any point during his tenure in Mitzrayim that he was alive? Why didn't he try to contact his father, who he knew loved him? His father, who gave him the ketonet pasim, the multicolored coat? His father, who favored him even to a fault? Why didn't he send a card saying, I'm alive, don't worry? The answer is that he didn't know all these things. When he names his first son the Purites, for he Yosef Eshemhab Bahor Mana, Kenishani Elohim, Eskola, Eskobe Savi. Yosef called the oldest son Menashe because Hashem has made me forget all about my struggles and my father's house. Why blame his father in the naming of Manasha? because he thought that his father was the mastermind of the whole plan to kill him. Yosef had the story all wrong. The dramatic irony is that we, the reader, are screaming at Yosef, Call Yakov, Call Yakov, You have it all wrong! He misses you! But Yosef didn't know that. Yosef was so enveloped in the problems that he had with his family that he wasn't willing to try and find a solution. He just wanted to forget all about his childhood. He didn't want to send that postcard and make amends. He wanted to get rid of his past life. If Yosef would have mustered up the ability to reach out to his father and say, we both wronged each other, but I forgive you, and I want to be close to you, he would have saved himself 22 years of stress and anxiety. The answer to why Yehuda's simple clarification of events caused Yosef to break down and reveal his identity is that this caused Yosef to realize that he had a crucial lapse in judgment. When he heard how dearly his father missed him, he understood that he was wrong in thinking that his father had cast him out of the house. It is safe to say that Yosef's familial drama was far worse than any of ours. What was in his eyes a carefully orchestrated plot to murder him by his brothers and his own father far surpasses any strife that we have with our relatives. Because of this, it is imperative that we, like Harry Ashkenazi, pick up the phone and make amends, whether we think or even know that we are right, or... If we are just too ashamed to admit that we are wrong, it is crucial that we call and say, I'm sorry, no matter how big or small the argument. Oftentimes, it takes just one person's apology to alleviate an entire situation. Many disagreements are rooted in misunderstandings that can be solved through a simple, candid conversation. Whatever the case is, a call to ask for forgiveness will help. Many of us have friends, relatives, siblings, or even parents we don't speak to. It is a mistake that someone even as great as Yosef Hatsarik made This is my plea to all of you to pick up the phone. Just make the call and heal your broken relationships. Have a good Shabbos.